Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvin, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, few tools will try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Sure appreciate it when you do that. We love talking to you and getting your perspective, hearing your questions. That's right. All here and live this morning. <laughs> That's right. You can get a live answer. Other than that, you can just sit back and listen to us jack our jaw, but probably going to be near as much fun. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a good email from a listener last night, and he was asking just a bit, kind of preface. He says, you know, I know that you're not fond of the hybrid cars. Uh-huh. And it's not that I'm not fond of them. It's just that, as I see it, it's a very, very complex device to accomplish a simple task at a pretty substantial price. Yeah, and it doesn't save enough money, in my opinion, to justify the cost. Right. you got the complications of the electric side of this vehicle, mm-hmm. plus you have the complications of the fuel gasoline side. side. Right. Yeah, you, you've got all the complexity of a mechanical gasoline-powered vehicle combined with all the complexities of an electric vehicle with all the interacting components that have to work together to make them work. So mm-hmm. you end up with a pretty complex device, and it just doesn't save enough fuel. I know the hybrids that I've seen, they'll get anywhere from 47 to 50 miles to the gallon. Well, I've got a Toyota Camry with a gasoline engine it gets 42 miles a gallon. Exactly. If you do the math, because fuel mileage is a regressive equation. In other words, when you go from 10 miles to the gallon to 20, you save a good deal of money. But when you go from... 40 to 50, you save almost no money at all because you're saving a percentage of a smaller and smaller number. Sure. Whereas going from 10 to 20, you may save $500,000 a year. When you go from 40 to 50, you save about $20 a year. (laughs) (laughs) And if I'm going to spend an extra $20,000, $30,000 on complexity, I mean, you see where I'm going. You're just not never going to make it back up. Now, certainly there are people who have hybrids that like them, and that's God bless you. You know, I think if that's what you like, then – you know, whatever, be be happy with it. And they have proved to be pretty reliable from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. The problem is when they break, not a whole lot of people can fix them because not many people have tooled up for them. It's just right. not enough of them on the road. So it's not that I don't like them. I just see them more or less as an impractical technology. But everybody's got their own opinion on that. Sure. And certainly if you like them, then that's great. Well, now, and let's, let's talk about the mileage. You, you mentioned the mileage mm-hmm. they get earlier. You got to remember they get, Three three fifty miles on a, a charge. Mm-hmm. When you get to where you're going, that vehicle needs to be recharged. Yeah, well, on the hybrids, they can charge themselves as they go down the road. But the thing is, it's just not a practical technology for most people. Mm-hmm. Now, what you're talking about would it's be like a full electric. full electric car. Now, this is a horse of a whole different a stable, I guess. You'd okay. Say. Like the general's now, what do you think about electric cars? So, well, in concept, I'd say it sounds pretty good. A couple of notable problems. Number one is the range. Mm-hmm. They go about 250 to 300 miles. Now, I can see situations where that would be great. If I were a retired person and I'm sitting home, and generally as far as I go is maybe to the grocery store or I may go to the church or whatever, go see my daughter, go see my son, whatever, and I'm driving 50, 100 miles at most at a time, and I can take it home and charge it for eight hours after that, then it's probably a pretty good technology. It's basically pretty simple, or at least it has the propensity to be very simple. Sure. If you don't start piling too much stuff on there. Now, how's it going to play out? I guess the marketplace is just going to have to say, Mm -hmm. because you know, Henry Ford built the model that we use today, which is an inexpensive car that's dependable. 
and is cost effective. That's what wins out in the marketplace. Now, obviously, you got people who drive Ferraris, people who drive all kinds of different vehicles for different reasons, and that's fine, but they represent a tiny, tiny part of the market. For the most part, wood sales are vehicles that are economical to operate. They don't break down all the time. They don't cost you a fortune to fix, and they're dependable. They go a long time without breaking. So only time is going to tell on that. And there are some things about electric vehicles that they frankly just hadn't been out long enough for us to know. And that is, you know, how dependable are they going to be? Right. What's the longevity going to be of this this type of vehicle? Yeah, electric motor. Now, most of the time, electric motors that we see, you buy a little desk fan, you're probably going to get tired of looking at it before it goes out mm-hmm. because they last a long, long, long time. But they're running in a controlled environment. That motor is running one speed all the time with consistent power. Sure. And you know, it's sort of like the difference in the air conditioning on a car and the air conditioning on a home on a home or, or air conditioning on a refrigerator say refrigerators tend to last a whole lot longer than car air conditioners because they're sitting there operating at one speed in a consistent power controlled environment right the air conditioning in a car is being moved up down up down as the engine speed changes you know it's got different amounts of power it's being turned on turned off the loads varying and all that so they generally last a lot less now is it going to be the same thing with motors we'll, time we'll see will tell. <laughs> yeah time will tell I would think those motors would be a pretty expensive component when they have to be replaced. And from what I've seen of them, most of them are going to have four wheel motors, a motor at each wheel. Sure. I guess they could technically come out with one big motor that could run it all. I don't know well, then you where got, it's going to go. Then you got the complexity of the drive line. You have to then you have to put it. a drive line with a transmission right. and all that stuff, a way to distribute these powers. And extra parts is extra weight. So That's if right. you reduce the weight by putting an electric motor at each wheel. Right. You've gained miles per gallon. Well, and I was reading the other day that they said most of the electric cars do not come with a spare tire or a jack or any of that because, okay. number one, it's not going to be used a whole lot in the realm they're designed to operate, short trips around uh-huh. town and what have you. And they felt that the extra weight was not worth putting in there. Me personally, I think it's trying to go cheap and mm-hmm. save, save a spare tire. Exactly. <laughs> but that's just the way my mind works, right. you know. But, yeah, most of them do not come with a spare tire and all because they're expected to go on little short trips. And if tire pressure monitor pops on, you just head somewhere and go get it fixed. Or if you get one flat, you know, you're right there. You're still in the convenience of being in a small area. For the most for part. For the most part for yeah. recovery or towing or whatever. Yeah, for the most part, I think that is true. I don't know. I don't operate a car that way. I more am a vacation-going kind of guy. Sure. And I want to get in my car, go from New Orleans to Gatlinburg, 680 miles, I can't stop two times or three times and charge it for eight hours on the road. Exactly. I just can't do that. It's not the way I drive a vehicle. So instead, you know, my car gets about 500 miles of tank full. I can stop and in about five minutes, 10 minutes at most, I can sure. refill it, get on, on own. get them away. And because I'm out on the road, obviously I need a spare tire. Sure. So yeah, it's just a totally, totally new and different technology. So how's it going to work out? You know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I know there are a lot of companies that are banking pretty heavy on it. Sure. Uh, GM, I think, was saying, what did the engineer tell you at the training class? It seems like he said in the next five years, something like 75% of their products are going to be electric. Yeah. And I don't know if that was him talking. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, that that sounds kind of far-fetched. 75% is a a lot of one-way, you know, 
technology. Yeah, well, but again, technology, if it catches on and people like it, it can move pretty fast. I mean, how many film cameras are out today? Not many. And how long did that take to to go away? Yeah, specialty bought. Yeah, I mean, in probably the last, I'd say, 10 years, it's gone from primarily film cameras to no film cameras. Right. I mean, every every cell phone's got a digital camera in it. Right, right. The well, need for the need for the film camera has gotten well. That's less right. Demand. That's right. Now, I mean, the same thing can be said about like cassette tapes. Sure. When was the last time you saw a cassette tape? Yeah, they're gone. A long time. Yeah. yeah. Because and you want to talk way back, go back to reel to reel or eight track. <laughs> you know, now we're getting back. And, you know, there. it took a little bit longer for those to go away. It did, but it's kind of an accelerating process because. And I got to say, with a digital camera, it is much, much more practical device sure. because more people can use it. It doesn't have to have developing. You don't have to wait to see your picture. So it offers a number of advantages at basically no increase in cost because a film camera would cost you about the same as a digital camera does. Sure. So what they were able to do is give people a whole lot more features, make it product way more convenient, for the same price. For the same price or even lower price in many uh-huh. cases. That's the kind of technology that catches on and goes. Sure. Now, if they are willing or able to do that with electric cars, then I think they could supplant gasoline cars pretty quickly. Now, if that's not the case, if they're not dependable, or if they are priced way out of the range. Yeah, non-competitively. GM and Ford and Chrysler, and all those guys have been complaining for years and years and years. They're not making enough money. Of course, I don't know how many bees you got to make. It was enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, I mean, technically, they've gotten the price of cars to a point where the average Joe just can't really hardly afford one now. Exactly. I mean, you look at the disposable income of the average family, they really can't plank down 40, 50 grand, which I would say is about the average price for a car it today, is. you know, every three or four years. I mean, they've got, if they've got a car, they've got to be able to keep it for 10, 12, 14, 20, 20 years. I yeah, know I do. I do. To, to get my money's worth. So that would be, is this electric car going to cost the same thing as these, or is it going to be lower priced? I mean, I can see where technically it could be lower priced. There's less complexity. It's just whether they're going to do it or they're just going to take it as additional profits. Who knows? Who knows? Nah. So, you know, the thing is, if you have this technology, it costs the same as the gasoline powered car. Then it comes down to how long does it last? Mm-hmm. Or how far will it go? How far will it go? Because the average car you buy today, so long as you're willing to do the maintenance on and take care of it, you can generally expect about 200,000 miles. Sure. And some cars, if you buy a Toyota, for instance, and I I know that I'm always harping on Toyotas, just I've had good experience with them, with proper maintenance, you can get 300 or more. Thousand miles. We see it every day, easily, all day long. But you know, we we see GM vehicles come in, Ford vehicles come in, some Chrysler vehicles come in, some are three hundred, three fifty, right, easily, and mm-hmm. then we get some in around eighty thousand. Major problems. And the difference there is the way the vehicle has been maintained. Now, I can see where an electric vehicle has far less maintenance requirements. Exactly. So therefore, it may be that even though you are paying the same or more for it, because you're spending less. Over on time. maintenance. For instance, there technically not going to be any oil changes with them. Nope. So that would be gone. You uh, don't, cooling th- systems. There's no coolant, so you don't have cooling system service. Sure. Basically, no transmission, so you don't service transmission. So all these things have basically gone away. It's just what new things will come along. That right. is what we don't know at this point. 
Now, certainly the peripheral items like the air conditioning will still have to have services on it. Mm-hmm. The power steering is going to be electric, but it's all electric. we have seen those have some problems on the conventional vehicles. Sure. So it's a very, very interesting question, and unfortunately, it's a question we just don't have an answer to until they start getting out there. And you start getting more of them in process, you know, having problems so we can actually see what is actually going on. Mm-hmm. I would think the longevity of the batteries would be a major factor. In other words, if this battery costs $5,000. And only lasts 10 years. Well, let's say it lasts three to five years which would be probably more realistic. I know on the hybrids, they have gotten those up to six to 10 years. Uh But again, that's being recharged pretty much constantly. It's not being deep cycled like an electric car is. There's no charge going in that until you stop and And plug it up. Plug it up. So basically, you're taking the battery at full charge, running it to near empty charge, and then recharging it, Mm -hmm. which is a deep cycling process. Now, how's that going to affect the longevity of battery? I don't know. It just depends on how they've got technology worked out because it just hadn't been out long enough. But if that battery is going to go out every five years, I would say that would be a considerable uh, downside to the vehicle. And right now all we have to to compare it to is the deep cycle batteries we have now, like the marine batteries. Right. And those are going to generally last three to five years. Exactly. So we're we're expecting the the same out of the... Yeah, it's, just, it's going to be interesting to see because that would be a major expense. The, the next thing would be the wheel motors, how long do they last? Because, again, that's going to be a pretty sizable chunk of change when, yeah. when you have to replace a wheel motor, I would think. So, again, it's just going to come down to how well those are built, how long they intend to last. And what the cost is. And what the cost is when you have to replace them. Right. <laughs> hey, we're going to take our first quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more in the automotive hour. Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no. It's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going. Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, Think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just join us as the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesland, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. There you go. And uh, just in case you don't get a chance to call in today, don't care to call, don't care to be on the radio. Right. You can always get your questions answered on our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O. AUTO.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button. Little form's going to pop up. Fill it out and hit the send button. Hey, it couldn't be any easier than that. Just go ahead and send it to us. Get your answer back pretty darn quick. Within 24 hours. There sometimes a lot faster. Just uh, If I happen to be on the computer at the time it comes in, I generally answer it right there. So you may get an instant answer. <laughs> but don't expect <laughs> that all the time. Right. <laughs> I don't want to set the bar too high there, you know? Yeah, don't expect that at midnight. <laughs> you were talking a little bit about electric cars uh-huh. and Hybrids such as and that. Of course, you can take call any topic you might have 
And I think we've just about covered the topic as, as fully as we have knowledge to address. Uh-huh. One last thing, and uh, this has come up, you know, on the all-wheel drive cars, if you have one tire that is damaged and you have to replace it, the other tires are, say, three-quarters worn, well, you're into buying four tires because mm-hmm. all the tires have to be the same height. And there is the question on an electric vehicle, is that going to pertain? Because you have four wheel motors, which could turn at different speeds. Right. I'm wondering if you replace one tire, does it just go ahead and allow for that and turn that one wheel uh, faster, or does that gonna, you know, does that cause a problem? Don't know. Again, uh, yeah, like, yeah, like so much of this technology just hasn't been out, hasn't been on. I know they've been on the road for a couple of years now. Tesla's had model out probably four right. or five years. But there's just, you know, such an unknown. It's still, they will say, well, there are, I don't know how many of these cars on the road, say 10,000. But compared to the millions of sure. cars, gasoline cars, that's like nothing. Exactly. That is just a very, very small drop in the bucket. So just kind of an unknown, untested technology. I would bet that they're going to be okay. But that's bet, not buy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Big difference. Big difference there, yeah. If if I lived in a, a small community you know, I've got friends that live in outside of Florida down in the panhandle uh-huh. and they've got a gasoline powered car, obviously to get there and back. But when they're there, they use a golf cart to pull around the, sure. the neighborhood, go to the store and all that. And everybody else there, that's just the way that community operates within a golf course range. There's everything they need. So they can just pop in these things and go around. So I would think in a community like that, this would be a fine technology. It would work yeah. out very well. Right. I mean, be a little longer range than a golf cart, a little more protected than a golf cart, but, but go I mean, a little you, faster. You talking about South Florida? That's so. right. <laughs> That's right. I don't know about Minnesota. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. We'll just have will. to kind of wait and see. You know what goes on with that. You know, another topic that I wanted. Why I was watching television the other day, and they had this program on motorhomes and tra- travel trailers mm-hmm. and all that. And I know we've talked about this in the past, but we hadn't talked about it in a while. But one sort of recurring theme that I saw, the people would go up and they said, well, I've got a minivan and the towing capacity is 3,500 pounds. So I want one that weighs as close to that as I can get. Okay. And I'm thinking in my mind, now I understand your logic. You want to get the most bang for your buck. Well, you want to get the biggest camper. The biggest one with the most features you can. That, But yeah. you got to remember, and we've said this before, that towing capacity they give you is a blue sky. Sure. Yes, because they want to sell vehicles, and they know towing capacity is one of the things that makes them sell. But that is an intermittent towing situation, and it's also a full all-in weight. For instance, this guy is... He's got a minivan. It pulls 3,500 pounds. And, again, I think that's blue sky. Sure. I want to be about 20% under the maximum all the time because I think they're overrated at least 20%. But he says, okay, I'm going to buy a trailer that's 3,500 pounds. Okay, but now when you fill your water tank, right? fill your sewage tank, put four people in the vehicle, load all, all your food, luggage, put your – umbrellas and bicycles and all the stuff people track around you're way over sure that capacity sure and he's saying well, we're going to use this thing a lot well good you know good yeah. luck <laughs> yeah. but what we last. see in the shop is that vehicles that they say will pull five thousand pounds and people pull five thousand pounds 
they're generally coming in buying a transmission around 60,000, miles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that being said, a lot of people do not understand how to tow correctly. Well, that's true. You know, it's not like driving every day. No. You've got to take special precautions. You've got to remember, hey, wait a minute. I've got 3,500 pounds behind this thing now. Mm-hmm. The stopping distance is going to increase. When you accelerate from a stop, you don't accelerate as hard. I mean, th- there are ways to make towing better. That's right. Without tearing things up. But you still shouldn't be exceeding the capacity of the, the tow yeah, vehicle. I, I would like to be about 20% under that. Fully First, loaded. Yeah, fully, fully loaded. loaded. In my vehicle, say, the published specification is 7,000 pounds on it then I want my trailer fully loaded to be around 5,000. Exactly. Maximum. Because you will it pull 7,000 pounds? Absolutely. Sure. But will it take a toll? Absolutely. It will. It's going to shorten the life of all the components. you got to remember, too, you got to be able to stop this vehicle. So if it doesn't have electric trailer brakes on it, that's going to be a whole other factor. Now, I know the bigger ones generally going to have some they type do. of electric brakes on them, but the smaller ones... Not so much. Your little single axle trailers, a lot of those don't have trailer brakes. On. Right. So you got to add that extra power, that extra power behind you that's pushing you, the inertia, to your stopping ability. Well, and you have some vehicles now that warp rotors just by themselves. Well, they just you drive, know, without towing anything. Just driving down the road, stopping and starting, the rotors are warping on them. Right. So you, you're going to put 5,000 pounds behind this vehicle, and now you're definitely going to have brake issues. Yeah, you're going to warp rotors. You're going to start burning up brake pads. Well, not only that, but, you know, transmissions, again, it's designed to pull a certain amount of weight. Right. Rear differentials, designed to pull a certain amount of weight. The universal joints, all the components in this vehicle are designed. And if you know anything at all about auto manufacturers, they're not putting any extra no, in there. not anymore. At one Back time, in the day, at one time, there was extra there. Well, you know, a half-ton truck would pull a half-ton. Would I mean, in, in the day, a half-ton truck, by today's standards, was probably more like about a three-quarter ton. Sure. I mean, they were over-designed because they said, well, it's a truck. Workmen are going to be using it. They could probably be abusing it. Let's build it a little heavy. Nowadays, a half-ton truck will pull a half-ton. That's 1,000 pounds. That's, rated. Yeah, rated 1,000 pounds. So if you throw 50 bundles of roofing in there. Oh, yeah. You've, well, you've you're, you're, you're the, close to 4,000 pounds. You've, you've exceeded <laughs> the capacity. You are far, far, far in excess of the capacity of this truck. Mm-hmm. Now, it may tow it down the road, right? but it is going to definitely compromise that vehicle. You're going to start having problems. You might have it right away, but it's going to gall up those bearings. It's going to stretch those little sprags out in transmission. It's going to burn the bands. It's going to do all this stuff that's going to cause it to fail later on. may damage the wheel bearings because they're not designed to carry that much weight. The shocks. You know, I was a guy the other day, and you know, right down the road from the shop we got a home depot right. so we see a lot of people going up and down the road sure. and he's got a load of something in the back of his truck it's sitting literally on the axle in the back right right the bumper was almost on the yeah. ground i remember seeing that one <laughs> towing down the road and you know that vehicle is not going to stop very well no if it does it's stop gonna, it's going to probably warp your rotors well, it's not going to steer very well because the front end's lifted up off the ground yeah, the front now. tire's barely touching the road <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was way overloaded well and let's say you've got a pair of old tires on the back of this truck and you hadn't paid attention to that now a six-year-old tire is not safe anyway with the capacity it's designed to run on you go slow four times the capacity on it and take this thing down the road sure blow a tire out and then try to change it on the side of the road with four thousand pounds in yeah, the back of it yeah you know, and that's funny. I was going to New Orleans uh, the other day, and I went and bring mom back to her accommodations. So I went down Airline Highway and got on on the Sorrento exit. Uh-huh. And 
car in front of me, little Honda, pulls out onto the on-ramp, accelerating. I pull out behind him. Fortunately, I was far enough behind far him. Enough behind him because I see a big piece of something come flying in the air. That's the front bumper off the car. Wow. He hit the guardrail. Okay. And, man, pieces, parts all over <laughs> the road. I mean, he hit hard. He Wow. But, and I see smoke coming out of the car, which is it deployed all the airbags. Pull on the side, run over there to see if I can help him. This guy, got to be one of the biggest men I've ever seen in my life. This guy's about 6'7", probably about 300 pounds. There's no fat on him. He reaches into the car grabs his wife on the pass side and just lifts her, just pulls her right out of the car. Right. I don't think her feet ever touched the ground. <laughs> He's a big old guy, you know. And fortunately, they were okay, but he right. said, I don't know what happened. The car started shaking a little bit, and then it got more violent, and then we lost control. Uh-huh. So I'm looking at the tires, and they're about eight years old. Wow. Of course, the front tire hit the guardrail. It's in pieces anyway, so I don't know if the tire blew first and then or and pulled him into the guardrail or – you know, it blew on the guardrail. Don't know, but you know, in in keeping with that same thing about old tires and stuff, yeah, he smashed his car. And I'm just thinking, hey, this guy is just cruising down the interstate without a care in the world. And then all and of in sudden, one second, you know, his car is now totaled. Sure, he's stranded on the side of the interstate, halfway between. He, he's from New Orleans, heading to Baton Rouge, halfway between here and there. How does he get to work Monday morning? I mean, think of all these little issues. Sure. All in a split second. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, take our second quick little break. Be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Linda, I've been so tense lately. Can you recommend a masseuse? Ooh, have I got a massage guy. Johan Thundercloud. He's Swedish Native American who uses classic deep tissue massage with natural healing methods. That sounds interesting. His deep tissue green pine cone massage is amazing. Along with the piercing eagle claw technique. Working your muscles with a rhythmic screech. When you hear that, you know it's working. I bet. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, check out the team at Agco Automotive. We keep it simple with high-quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And don't forget about Agco's general inspection, an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so your car will perform for the long term. One thing, though. Do you bleed easily? What? Johan will want to know. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Well, welcome back. Just join us. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Carey. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any questions you may have. Just give us a call, 291-6901, and we'll try to get you an answer. And that's exactly what Mike did. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, guys. How are y'all? Doing great, sir. Doing good. Good. Glad to hear it. I've got an 08 Tundra. Okay. And it's got over 300,000 miles. Wow, good. Wonderful. Yeah, the truck has been great except for one issue, mm-hmm. and that is, I believe they're called the air induction pumps. Yeah, uh-huh. they had uh, trouble with that on uh, several miles. They actually had a policy adjustment on some of them. I'm not sure if it's on yours, where they would replace it and all. But, uh, right. Well, the, the first time it happened to mm-hmm. me, uh, they replaced it at okay. no charge. Mm-hmm. Second time it happened, it was on me, uh-huh. and uh, so I'm uh, the truck's getting a little long in the tooth, and I'm in the market for a new one, okay. and I'm wondering, has this been addressed in the newer models? As far as I know, it has, Mike. I have not seen a recurrence of it in a few years. That was a problem back about five, six years ago. Actually, it started about 10 years ago and then ran up to there. I don't know what they've gone to since because I simply haven't had any problems with them, so we hadn't had to take any apart. 
And I think that was more a problem on the four sevens and the four sixes. Well, I, I, well, minus the five sevens, is it, okay. it, it did happen to those. It yeah. could be on the earlier models because the the early ones did have it. I always felt that the problem with that they didn't have a filter on that intake where it was drawing the air into that pump. I always thought that was the issue with it, but who knows? They did redesign the components on it and all, but yeah, well, I prefer to I prefer to buy used. Mm-hmm. And do you know when? when that change was made you know i don't uh, know mike if you want to send me an email i can look it up in service data but i would think the newer ones when i say a newer probably 15 14 15 on up we really haven't okay. seen it okay all right well that's that'll give me something to look at mm-hmm. and i will send you an email just uh, yeah i'll, I'll look uh, it up in service on. data and see when they discontinued that system or what they did because Frankly, if it doesn't break, I don't know as much about it because we don't work on it a whole lot. <laughs> you know? Right. Sure. If I don't know a lot about something, that's a good sign. You know, yeah. the stuff okay. that I know a whole lot about, you don't want, you don't want right. that. <laughs> right, right. Well, the, the truck has been outstanding except for that one Great one truck problem, other than you know? that. Yeah. And yeah. that was really, I don't know, I thought it was kind of a superfluous sort of a system. You know, I'm not sure exactly why they went to that. They've used that on several vehicles, and it's usually pretty problematic on on every vehicle they've used it on. As I was uh, as as it was explained to me, mm-hmm. that pump is only used to as kind of a bellows for the catalytic converter. Right, it's pump, pumping air into the converter to increase efficiency and cause to burn more oxides of nitrogen. But you know, it seems like to me every other vehicle on the road doesn't use that, and they're getting by some kind of way. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they use that. It looks like a lot yeah. of complexity for something that really doesn't benefit the driver a whole lot. Well, I guess Probably some I, engineer had to make a, make yeah. a check. Well, and more likely they built the vehicle, then they found they couldn't get it past EPA, so they had to add that on as a side note. Ah. And to get okay. it through, you know, it probably, the, the original design was a good one, but it just maybe produced so many oxides of nitrogen in a certain range that they couldn't get in or couldn't tune out. So they had to throw this on as an add-in system to get it past EPA. And then later on, they just re-engineered it yeah, because they knew when, they were When they with. came back to a redesign of the, you know, they were able to redo it. You're not going to stop in mid-production and re-engineer something. If they can put right. something on there to take care of it, they will. But you're not going to totally redesign an engine or, or whatever in the middle of production, so... That's my guess. You know, I don't know that, but that's that's what I would assume. It looks like an added-on system. Mm-hmm. It looks like something that didn't, maybe they didn't anticipate and had to add on to get past EPA. All right, guys. Well, thanks for your information. I appreciate it much. Hi, Mike. All thanks right, for calling, man. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. And, you know, there are things like that, that when they get into the testing, EPA sets certain standards and, I mean, I'm all for crystal clear air and crystal clear water sure. as much as the next guy is. But sometimes it's like one or two percentage points at a certain range under a certain condition. The net effect would be almost negligible. But, you know, they've got to go in and engineer a fix for this because if not, you're not going to be able to sell the vehicle. I remember some of the GM products had that air pump on them. You remember that? Back, uh, some, yeah. Some of the small blocks. They did. And, man, they, they had nothing but trouble with the doggone system. Way back in the seventies, they had air pumps on a lot of them, uh, and a lot would, of that, a lot of that would, started in early, the late sixties. Yeah, yeah, they would inject air into the exhaust manifolds mm-hmm. to try to get it to meet certain standards. And I don't know; it's just it seems like to me wherever it's been, it's always been a problematic system, right? You know, I've never seen one really hold up that well. So who knows? Let's see. We're going back to our phone lines. We got Trey online. Good morning, Trey. Oh, it's Troy. I'm sorry. Brake lights stay on. What, what kind of vehicle are we talking about, Troy? 
I'm sorry, it's an 09 Chevy Silverado pickup. Okay. The brake lights stay on all the time, or do you turn the key off, take the key out, brake lights still on? As, yeah, as if, my, as if, I'm, if I'm stepping on the brake. So, yeah, yeah it's on yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, Troy, most of the time, that is going to be the brake light switch itself has failed. That was a pretty common failure item in there, and that's fairly easy and fairly inexpensive. I can't say that's the only thing that could possibly do it because there are some other things. Certainly a shorted wire could do that. A number of things could do it. But most of the time, the brake light switch is, is going to be the component. And it's pretty easy to test. If you got like an ohmmeter, you can just pull the two leads off and check and see if you got continuity across the switch when it's, not, uh, when it's being compressed, you know, then that's going to be the fault. So you might even want to just go ahead and replace the brake light switch because you can buy one for probably less than $30. Yeah, they're kind of inexpensive. Yeah, it takes 15, 20 minutes to change. I think there is a clip under there, there is, that holds it on that there is. normally gets broke or, you, or Well, you just got a, a 10-millimeter-headed bolt in it, and then it's got a spring clip. The 10-millimeter bolt holds the spring clip tight. Mm-hmm. You take the bolt out, and then you got to release the clip. It, it's not a big deal. It's just you're yeah. working on your back with both hands. And, right. Kind of close range underneath that dash. We, we used to call that an old Jesus clip. Uh-huh. You know, because when it goes flying off, oh, right. Jesus. <laughs> In fact, I got down to where we just keep them on the shelf, I We think. do. Yeah, we, we do, got them extra ones because they're not expensive. But it's no, just, but when they take off, they're gone. Well, it's, yeah, that's right. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah, it's gone. And if you are working on the weekend by yourself and now you get, your truck is down for the rest of the week. Sure. Until you can get to the dealership and buy one of these little clips. So. <laughs> Yeah, you might, when you buy a switch, just go ahead and get a clip. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Wouldn't hurt. Let's go back to our phones. Chris, good morning, Chris. Good morning. How are you today? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Awesome. Hey, I have a 2008, this is going to be a Tundra show today. Uh, <laughs> I got a 2008 Toyota Tundra. Uh-huh. Got a question on uh, a rattle at startup. Now, I've had on this truck for about a year, mm-hmm. and it's never rattled up until this one point. I parked at the driveway at a slight angle. It sat for two days. Started up and it sounded like the front end of the motor was about to come out of itself. It's never done it since, and it's never done it before. You know, um, you know what I would bet on that, Chris. And this is just sort of a yeah. How many miles you got on it? Currently, one hundred and thirty-two. Okay, thousand. It sounds like maybe the starter Bendix held up. You know, there's there's like a magnetic uh, solenoid that plunges that starter Bendix out into the flywheel when you crank the car. You don't know it's doing it but when you turn the key. First thing it does, the motor starts to spin, and this magnet pulls that thing out into the flywheel. Then it has to retract when it's through. It's got a spring that pushes it back. If it gets a little bit gummy in there, it may not retract fully, and just the edge of that starter bendix hits that flywheel, and it'll make a heck of a noise. The spinning of the flywheel will generally push it back out, and it'll quit, and if it it never does it again, you probably don't have to worry about it. Was it maybe colder than normal when it did it or hotter than normal or uh, no no it was probably like 60 degrees outside so, okay, so i mean that's it was probably tempered cold colder depending on where you're calling from yeah in south well, Louisiana. i'm from i'm from michigan so. okay well yeah well that's normal for you <laughs> yeah for us that's freezing man what are you talking about <laughs> 60 degrees <laughs> 60 that's overcoat that's overcoat weather man <laughs> yeah i would almost bet that that starter solenoid probably hang hung up because if it were anything in the motor itself, it wouldn't have gone away. Right, it do. You know, if time. all okay. wasn't getting there, if a timing chain was, it probably wouldn't have went away. But I know we get that a lot. In fact, I had a Ford pickup come in the other day, and guy said, "Man, I got a heck of a noise on the right side right after startup," and that's what his was doing. 
Mm-hmm. I would just pay very close attention. If it doesn't do it again, I probably wouldn't be too concerned. If it doesn't again, you're going to have to fix that because what will happen, it could tear up the flywheel, and then the transmission right. all has to come out to get in there and address that. Now, unfortunately, yep. on that vehicle, I'm sure it's a V8, the starter is yep, going to be under the intake manifold. Yeah, the, yeah, the starter is under the intake manifold, so it's not an easy task to get to. You know, if, yeah. if it does start doing it pretty regular, what I would suggest, go ahead and pull the intake, pull the starter, and I would probably just replace that starter. You know, you might be able to lube the shaft, but because of the labor to get to it now, it's probably not worth taking a chance of putting it back together and doing it again. And do yourself a favor. Go get you a quality Toyota Toyota brand store. To no aftermarket, no rebuild. Yep, right. Yeah. And that, yeah, uh, that's, uh, and that's what I do all the time with all my maintenance is mm-hmm. all Toyota filters. And stuff, oh, yeah. So. Wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Toyota's a little more expensive, but I tell you what, I've put – people come in and put an aftermarket starter on. And doesn't yeah. last a week, two weeks, three weeks. And worse yet, it hangs up, tears the flywheel up. You know, now you're into a huge repair. Yeah, that start, Toyota yep. starter seems real, real cheap compared to all that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we got a minivan, too, that's uh, it's Toyota. We mm-hmm. bought that one new. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buddy of mine got all over me for going to the dealer buying brake parts for it. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? These brakes have lasted eighty thousand miles, right. and, and probably with the original <laughs> rotors. And, didn't, and didn't given warped rotors, didn't squeak and squeal and drive your wife crazy. I mean, yeah, nope, that's right. Nope, it didn't. That's <laughs> right. Well <laughs> worth it. Well, well worth yep. it. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, one more thing. Now, I did buy this thing used, so I don't know the service history on it or anything mm-hmm. like that. I have been getting in the um, the oil filter. When you pull out the oil filter, you, it's real easy to examine it and everything. Right. I noticed like these uh, little. I guess he caught flakes. Yeah. Like, when you put it between your fingers, it's um, they're brown. You rub it, and it actually kind of dissolves in your fingers kind of thing. Hmm. Um, I've noticed it on the dipstick every once in a while, too. You pull it out to check the oil. You notice these little flakes. Yeah. Kind of kind of looks like, you know how that browning happens inside of an engine? Right. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's sludge or something like that. Right. Now, is that something that you've ever seen before? Because I do my oil changes every Every three months or three thousand miles with this truck. Wow! Um, and yeah. uh, I just, I, I've just never seen anything no, that, like that's it before. Kind of like un, that's kind of unusual. Could be the oil that you're using, and it doesn't mean the oil is bad, but some oil does mm-hmm. have more paraffin in it than others, and you may be getting a little bit of paraffin build up there. I mean, I don't okay. know that that would hurt anything. I've seen certain oils do certain things, and you know, mm-hmm. it's different. But like I said, you put it between your fingers and rub, it and it goes away. It seems like a soluble material of some sort. Could yeah. be something with a dispersion. See if the oil is probably something in the additive package of the oil. I would assume because yeah, it, it, anything coming out of that motor all... would not go away. It would be hard metallic, and it wouldn't go away. Right. Yeah. And I noticed when I first bought it, I bought it with one hundred twenty thousand miles on it. So the dealer that I bought it from, all dealer, mm-hmm. they had changed the oil and everything beforehand. And I noticed in the first oil change, I noticed that real heavy in the filter there. And it's just been less. It seems like less and less as I go on. Well, you know, I mean, done, it could have been something before you got it, right? You know, maybe that guy did not right. change his all very often, and now that you're right. you're, you're starting to break more, it up, yeah, it's breaking up. Mm-hmm. It's very. Yeah, I do know that I was the first one to service a transmission on it. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, yep. and, and a lot of people who trade vehicles at lower mileage don't really tend to take care of them as much because they know they're going to trade. Right. 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 So, uh, all right. Well, other than that, it's been a great truck. I don't like it. So, hi, Chris. Um, yeah, so hopefully I get it like 300000 out like the other guy did. No, I'm, sure, I'm sure you can. <laughs> All righty. All right, man. Thanks, you have Kyle. a good day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. We're going to take a quick little break. Tim, if you hold on, you'll be straight up after the break. 
Hey, Mike, I'm thinking about boiling some shrimp. You know where I can get a good price? Oh, yeah. I got a shrimp guy, but there's a catch. His name is Remy Labateau, and you have to go down to Lafouche Parish and meet him after midnight. Okay. He'll be behind the dumpster of an abandoned fireworks stand off Louisiana 1, and you have to buy exactly 50.3 pounds. Well, that's oddly specific. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, look no further than the team at Agco Automotive. No hassles, just straight up quality maintenance and repairs. And with Agco's general inspection, they can perform an annual checkup to find any problems and schedule maintenance to keep your car running right, saving you money in the long run. So what kind of seasoning do you use? Oh, I got a seasoning guy, too. How do you feel about traveling to Bangkok? Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm Lewis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our general manager, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two or so, Friday Any automotive questions you may have, just give us a call, 291-6901. And we've got Tim's been patiently holding. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking the call. You bet. You're welcome. I've called you before about my 2001 GMC Sierra. Mm-hmm. Just turned 302,000 miles. Very good. Wow. Been a great truck. Mm-hmm. Not had uh, too many problems out of it. But I typically change the spark plugs every 50,000. Okay. And when I got to 200,000, I changed them, and I didn't, frankly, think it'd make it to 250, so <laughs> I forgot all about it. <laughs> so here I am, 100,000 miles since the last spark plug change, so mm-hmm. I decided to change them, and, uh, which was no problem. A little bit difficult to get to the one, you know, on the passenger side yeah, by the firewall. Mm-hmm. Sure. And when I was taking it out, it came out a little bit harder than the other ones unscrewed. And when I looked at the end of the plug, the last couple threads had some aluminum in the valleys of the threads, which told me I probably stripped it a little bit coming out. I took across my fingers, I wouldn't have to do a helicoil or something, Mm -hmm. and I threaded the new plug in slowly, and it did thread in, but the whole time I tightened it down, it threaded in pretty tight the whole way in. Mm -hmm. So... Did I basically just cut my own new threads, putting it back in that head? Well, and so far it hasn't blown out. And yeah, I guess the big prob- question is, am I got any trouble coming in the future? Well, probably you didn't do any more damage than was going to be done. I think the threads were probably uh, damaged somewhat mm-hmm. coming out. And you know, is it a good situation? No. Uh, is it going to give you a major problem? Who knows? I mean, you think about it, you're going to probably. You could technically go another 100,000 miles on it, which is pretty much going to be the life of the vehicle, I would think. I wouldn't really worry a whole, whole bunch about it. I mean, if it if it does happen, pulling the head on that vehicle is not a real tough job. No, it's, it's I mean, you can pull the head out, uh, have it corrected, or there may even be somebody that makes a device to fix it on the truck. It's pretty tight in there. I don't know. I know the Ford vehicles, we have a, a tool, special tool that we can change the thread because they come out all the time. But, I mean, even if you had to buy a new cylinder head, it's not a tremendous, tremendous thing. You know, that's probably about a four- or five-hour job to pull the heads on that thing or head on it. And, you know, cylinder heads, three, four hundred bucks. So, I mean, you know, I wouldn't really worry about it until next time you have to take it out. Yeah. I I don't, there's nothing you can do preemptively. No. Yeah, nothing yeah, you can do preemptively. Another four or five years away. Well, that's well, it. I don't think, at this point, I don't think I'm going to touch it if it's, if it's running good. So. Well, as long as it's yeah, running good. 000 miles and 25 years old, I, at that point, I think 
either get rid of it or you know, well, I mean, you, that motor's going to be getting pretty tired by <laughs> yeah. that time. I mean, you might even oh, just yeah. look at replacing the motor if you want to keep the vehicle. Well, you you got twice the life out of the vehicle. Yeah, because most of them don't get yeah. half that mileage before they have a major yeah. problem. Now, obviously, you've taken care of it. You know, most people don't, and they don't get anywhere close to that. But it just depends on what shape the rest of the vehicle you know, is I've in got, when the time uh, comes. Yeah, I've got a 2002, which is basically the same vehicle. And, I mean, if mine needed an engine tomorrow, I wouldn't even think twice. I'd put an engine in it because I'm not going to buy another vehicle. I like that one. Mm-hmm. I like the way it drives. I like the way the seatbelt thing doesn't bang in my ear constantly, you know, if I don't hook my seatbelt and – I mean, I just like the vehicle. It does everything I want, and a new motor is maybe seven grand. But that's I can't even that's not even down payment on another vehicle anymore. Hardly the sales tax on the vehicle anymore. <laughs> oh yeah. <I> <laughs> well, I, I had one other comment. Sure. Uh, the guy called in oh several weeks back, and you were talking about uh, sometimes it's worse to put off service, you know. And mm-hmm. he was talking about an air conditioner yes. that wasn't working right. Correct. And um, and he said, well, I, maybe I'll worry about it back in the spring. Winter's coming, and I don't need it this winter. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to remind people that you use your air conditioner a lot in the winter too. People forget that every time you turn that knob to the defrost, well, that's right. Your, your air conditioner well, compressor is running too. You know, and, and not only that, days. but if it sits empty, moisture leaks in, starts corroding all the components in there, and you end up with a huge, huge repair unnecessarily. Right. But yeah, I live up in the north, and you know, people think we don't use our air conditioner. Mm-hmm. But a few months in the summer, and it's like I can nah. tell people, no. Every time you turn the defrost, you're running that. Well, thing. And, and even if you don't you're use defrost, yeah. Even if you don't, the, the computer is going to cycle it every so often just to lubricate the compressor. Right. So it, it does run you know, on its own. Even if you don't turn it on, the computer's going to automatically signal it to run for a few seconds every so often just to keep it lubricated. But yeah, you're right. You definitely need to jump on that proactively. Alrighty. Well, I appreciate it, gentlemen. I got to get out here and get in this truck, see if I can get to 303,000. <laughs> there, there you, you go. go. All right, man. Have a good one. Thank, Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Bye-bye. All right. Let's see if we can catch one more. Hey, mate, can you make it really, really quick? Cause we... Oh, hey. Uh, is this me? Yeah. Yeah, hey. Um, I've got water ingress in the back. It looks like it's coming down from the corner where the boot lid joins the weather seal. Okay. Uh, so I pulled the weather seal up. There's a bunch of dirt under there. Cleaned it all up, put it back on. The other side didn't look as bad. So I'm guessing that was probably it. Very likely. Most likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my only concern is that there's streaks of, well, a few streaks of water down the inner trim panel on that side. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think I can get away with just leaving that? Or does it all need to come out and get Yeah, As out? long as it's not physically wet, you know, if it's just a stain, yeah, you, that, that should be fine. Now, what you might just think of to uh, make is if you, Take that seal out and put a little bit of light silicone around it and put it back in. That may cause the seal a little better. Okay. All righty. All right. I'll do that. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Colin. Thank man. you. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. Of course, unfortunately, we are just about out of time. We're going to start winding on up, getting on out of here. I'd like to thank our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service. Find a written review and fill it out for us, please. That's right. That'll move us up in the rankings so that more people, when they type in something like auto repair, will get to listen to our show. If you're way down the rankings, you come real close to the end of the list. And right. Higher Everybody rankings. Listens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes you feel good about what we're doing. There you go. Appreciate his opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.